0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to one of the ten best English language Fiorentina podcasts on the Internet. Welcome to Viola Station.
0: Guess who's back? Back again. Tito's back. Tell a friend. No, 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 no. Seriously, go tell a friend or two new listeners. We are back, and better than ever, Viola Station's here. Tito, buddy, how are you doing? A little bit better after that.
1: <laughs> what? Where did that come from? I, I, I'm, 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 I'm genuinely speechless down here, Mike. What, what just happened?
0: Gen Y, Z, millennials, all of this, you know, uh, got the juices flowing. Uh, then he caught me off guard. You're like, do you have an intro? And I'm like, no. But we're back, so then it just started going. Uh, I felt like I felt like I should just go with it. I mean, it did feel almost
1: too natural, which I think definitely flows into the question that we always open this off with, Mike, which is, "What are you drinking today?"
0: <laughs> I'm on day two of just straight water. Uh, I think by now a lot of people know my wife is Jewish, so we were, which means. Uh, I have to be a good husband and help my wife get completely drunk. So uh, we drank from once my daughter went to bed uh, about like nine o'clock until about one thirty. Uh, three and a half bottles of wine, uh, of which it wasn't just me. Like m- my wife did the the good thing and and she made sure she got really really drunk. So uh, shout out to Asanka. I know uh, what you're feeling. A couple days later, I'm feeling it still. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, buddy? What are you drinking?
1: Uh, I'm actually going kind of the other way in drinking a German white wine called a, and I'm very sorry to anyone who speaks German, Skirbe Halbtrocken, which is kind of like a Riesling. Ooh. And it's Ooh. actually it's actually really nice. It's like kind of citrusy, a little bit of effervescence. Uh, Strong recommend, if I'm being honest. And, uh, now,
0: is this a dry or a sweet Riesling?
1: It's a little on the dry. It's not, yeah, it's not like drinking okay. a, uh, like a Yellowtail where it's basically just sugar water. Yep. It's a... Uh, yep, so you have actually, some high class there. I like that. Yeah, man, they had it on sale at the uh, local wine store that uh, that's up the street from me for like 12 or 13 bucks a bottle. And I was like, well, okay, it's got a name I can't pronounce. I may as well try it, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> now see i've gotten to the point where i do google when i'm shopping for wine just to see you know the reviews do you do that by chance or you just go with it because of the name
1: uh i'll usually ask the guy at the front it's a it's a little local store owned by a bunch of former university of washington professors who are mostly retired which is sort of hilarious oh wow yeah so i'll usually just go up and say like hey is this actually good and to their credit they will always say like oh yeah that's great or like uh it's OK. And I could say, <laughs> OK, I'm looking for something like this. What's better? And they'll they'll always point me in the right direction. So uh European vine selection,
0: 15th Street or 15th
1: Avenue. Great, great store. Couldn't uh, couldn't say better things.
0: It seems, them. it seems like the type of place you almost wish that they had a couple uh, stools that you can pull up and just have a conversation with as you drank that oh, bottle of wine. They they do f- business model.
1: Back in the before times, they actually did uh, free tastings also every Saturday, which was the coolest thing because they would open up frequently like bottles of wine that are too expensive for me to buy and like give you a yeah. little taste so you could know what it's like. And that was, ah, oh, I missed that. That was when I would go play, uh, play like pick up soccer in the mornings and then take a shower and then go do the free wine tasting. And it was like a nice way to to start a Saturday off there for a while. Maybe again someday.
0: I like it. I like it.
1: All right. Well, let's jump into the uh, into the actual Fiorentina stuff because that's probably what most of y'all are here for. Although we'd be interested also in <laughs> doing a a wine hour with Mike and Tito. Although I think that would mostly be you, Mike. I don't know anything about it.
0: No, I, I, all I was going to say is all you really need to do is show up and drink. I mean, that's the wine hour. It's all good. Oh yeah, I could. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I would be involved then. <laughs> So
1: let's yep. let's start off. It's Saturday the 27th of February and we've got two pretty cool Fiorentina birthdays. Let's start out with the uh with the one that is still playing for the team. Martina Zanoli turns 19 today. Uh I think it's crazy that she's still a teenager for like yeah. a whole another year and she's already so good like how lucky are we to get to watch her grow and develop in Florence? Still for a long time.
0: I, I think now you know it's safe to say that we're probably in uh, a transition uh, with the with the ladies' team, and we know with the triumvirate that was here for many years and uh, many years of success we had underneath them. Uh, so now we're trying to figure out what does the future look like, and we have a couple uh, bridges from one generation into the next. Uh, but definitely, Zanoli is going to be the future of this team. When we got her and brought her in from uh, Urabika, I think, um, uh, in the summer of uh, 2020, um, you know, Chincota was very, very, very excited about this one. Um, and, and clearly, it's paid off. You know, she's been a regular on the team, a starter. Uh, a stalwart Uh, she has been um, you know brought up to the national team and the conversations there you know I I think um, you know the the future is very bright for her and this is going to be one of those players that uh, is going to be the next uh, Mauro or or, um, Parisi or you know whoever you want to talk about from from the lineage uh, from a Fiorentina Feminelli standpoint I, I see her as being the next Star and, and very shining star at the club. So happy birthday.
1: Yeah, and I, I do remember too, uh, Steph, who writes about a lot of Seria A. femminile fantastic writer she's been on with us before, super knowledgeable, awesome person. Uh, hi, Steph, if you're listening. We talked about her when Fiorentina signed her this past summer, and Steph said that she was looking at her on Y-Scout, which I don't have a subscription to, but said that she ranked top of Serie A in a couple of defensive metrics which I think is incredible for a, she was 17 when the season started last year yeah. that's just nuts and she was uh, she was also 10th in minutes played in Serie A femminile last year so I mean just just such a long great career coming for her I mean Fiorentina and fullbacks apparently is just a thing I mean the year that Alia Wanyi leaves and you get Martina Zanoli, like that, that's wild. It, we're so lucky. Uh, the other birthday is one for perhaps people of a slightly different generation. And that's Enrico Fantini, turns 44 today. Pretty much the definition of a journeyman striker, you could say. 60 viola appearances and all of five goals. So, why are we talking about Enrico Fantini? Because he did score two goals. Forty percent of his goals were scored in a playoff two-legged tie against Perugia. That brought Fiorentina back to Serie A. Uh, the the one in the second leg, he scored in the first leg, scored the only goal at Perugia, and then scored in the second minute of the return leg in Florence. And go, just go Google it, go YouTube it, whatever people do with the internet now, uh, and watch it. It is. Like it it just gives you the chills watching it and the the way the stadium reacts to go back up when they know they're going back to Serie A. It's it's like nothing else. So, wherever you are, Enrico, happy birthday. And uh, hey, thanks for that goal. (laughs) All right. So, let's go ahead and get into slightly more current events. And, uh, you know, I think. we really have to start with the Maurizio Sari rumors. Uh, we've been tracking this on VN a little bit, we've written about it, but just a quick recap. The Corriere Fiorentino reported that Daniele Prade and Joe Barone had made the drive down to Piondisco where Sari lives and gotten dinner with him a few days ago. Uh, Sari's agent, one Fali Ramadani, uh, you may have heard of him if you're a uh, longtime Fiorentina fan, uh, immediately denied the rumor and Rocco Camiso the next day also denied the rumor. So Mike, what the heck is going on here?
0: <laughs> well, what we know is we can definitely never trust Ramadani, uh, but also Fiorentina has a uh, history of uh, denials. And um, I-, I think that that's, pretty much status quo for not only our team, but any team in these types of situations. You know, there, there's a lot of this um, uh, shadow boxing that's being done behind the scenes. And uh, I think it makes sense. Um, But for me, this, this, you have, you have to figure out what makes sense. And um, when you're looking at this, I think it does start before, sorry. And, and, and it starts with Prandelli. You know, I've said before, when Prandelli came in here, uh, what I was told is that he has been moved in uh, as the stopgap, um, but Prondelli is looking for more permanence, um, and there is not permanence in a coaching role, uh, in, in a managing role. You know, so in order to find permanence, uh, and, and whether we'll call it an entry into retirement, um, you have to find a different role within side of an organization. That role had been identified as uh, Vincenzo Virginia's uh, previous role, which would be you know, heading up the youth team. Uh, Virginia at the time actually head up the youth and the women's team. Uh, Elena Tora has taken it over because absolutely somebody needs to be um, uh, heading up that role and it needs to have somebody specifically just for the club there. Uh, and she's been doing a very good job. Um, but Prondelli moving into Virginia's role makes perfect sense. So that does allow for, I think, a lot less animosity. Uh, and I think, again, media is kind of building it up as if it's a sorry versus Prandelli thing. But I think that part of this is actually uh, the the succession planning that Prandelli has for his career, being able to move into more of a um, uh, management position in the organization, uh, work with the players, which he loves. He loves the young players and developing them. I mean, like, that's a passion for the man. So I think it's a natural fit for him to move in. You know, the next question is, is it a natural fit for Sarri, which I think really would be the debate. Uh, personally, uh, I'd love to see Sarri here because of his connections to Firenze, to Tuscany. Um, I personally have would also have liked to see these negotiations have played out um, in December and January. And I would have loved to have seen an an agreement in place selfishly because I would have loved for him to identify a few players for us to go and get, because I am still very hurt about the transfer window and what played out. And I get it. You know, we want to save the money for, um, players that the next coach is going to want, but yeah, he's under contract. He still is, but that's going to play out. That doesn't mean he can't agree to take the contract with Fiorentina in December that would start in June. So um, th- th- I think it's a natural progression of where we're going. Prandelli uh, would make sense. If what I'm being told is, is correct, he would be moving to the uh, Primavera side. Sari comes in uh, and then he has a large transfer budget of which I would imagine he would negotiate uh, to be very, very sizable of players he can go out and target and, um, Hopefully, then we can also keep the Dragowski's who are, you know, being um, linked elsewhere. The the Vlahovic's who are being linked elsewhere. Uh, we can renew a lot of those players because really, hit those two and and Castrovilli are the future of this club. They're, you know, the pillars that we have to move forward uh, going into next year. What are your thoughts?
1: I I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's all cloak and dagger stuff, which I mean, very very Italian here, right? could never let anyone yeah. know what's really going on. Although, I mean, for legal reasons too, I think it makes sense that everyone would deny this. Uh I mean, first of all, sorry is still under contract with Juve, so there is the specter of Fiorentina getting hit with a fine or some kind of penalty for tapping up someone who's under contract with another team, even though probably wouldn't happen. Uh Ramadani is also, I imagine, very eager to keep all word of this from leaking out because that means other teams Napoli Roma uh, who are looking for coaches probably at the end of the year uh, he can use them as leverage to negotiate better terms for Sari, which I'm sure is the forefront of his mind as always and for Rocco I mean I think that you have to deny that one you don't want to undermine your current coach frondelli especially at a pretty delicate time for the team uh, and just in general, you don't want to you don't want to cut the feet out from under the people below you in the org chart. So no, I, I think you're spot on.
0: Do you believe that Napoli and Roma are going to be good spots for Sorry though? Uh, I actually personally believe that Fiorentina would be the best spot for him. I don't see him going back to Napoli, and, and Roma is always a, a wild card. A lot of investment going on, but you know I, you're very knowledgeable in these aspects here. I'm I'm curious if you think that they would be a fit for him.
1: I think Napoli still would be. A lot of those, a lot of the players that came in under him are still there. The spine of that team is still there. I, I think that he would do really well back in Naples. I'm, I think the city and the team would welcome him back, despite his move to Juve, which, you know, not super popular in the Bay down there. But he, I think that he's done a very good job for his part of not burning any bridges. Uh, Roma. Yeah, Roma's always crazy. You never know what's gonna happen there. I mean, honestly, I think Fonseca's done a pretty good job. I don't see yeah. why they would try to move on from him, but that does seem to be the chatter right now, which, I mean, uh, maybe we're doing like a, a zamperini thing now uh, in Roma. I, I don't get it. But yeah, I can, I can see either one of those happening, but I agree with you. I think that Florence would be a fantastic spot for him to launch a, a whole new project. Especially given his connections there, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Do you think, do you think that Sari in Florence would actually work, though? I mean, that's the we keep on operating under this assumption that you know Maurizio Sari goes to a team and they do really well. Would that actually happen if he came to Fiorentina, uh, Mike? Where where are you on this?
0: Uh, emotionally, I want to say yes um, because of his connection to the city, to you know the region there, I, I do want to say yes. Uh, do I think that how we're built today, that it would be a fit? Absolutely not. Uh, this team is going to take a lot of work. And my, my honest thoughts here are that those are the conversations that are being had behind the scenes. Um, what is available to me? What players are going to be renewed? Which ones do we have locked up? Uh, which players do we have to sell? So, you know, we're not having another Kiesa Milenkovic and, and even Petzela incident where we're selling players in the last year of their contracts. Um, financially, we need to understand what is the health of Fiorentina. You know, we know uh, that, um, um, you know, Mediacom has, has had to shut down the doors of uh, the soccer club here in the United States for a year. Uh, Cosmos aren't playing right now. Um, we've seen the transfer window. So I I think if I'm a coach, that's the first thing I need to see is I'm relaunching my career. You know, a lot of people will debate the success at at Chelsea and, and debate the success at Juve. And, uh, certainly there were some mixed feelings and even some hurt feelings. Uh, I think that, you know, if I'm sorry, I still know that I have a great reputation, which means I have some leverage. He needs to use that leverage in speaking not with Prade, not with Baroni. He needs to speak directly to Rocco Camiso and Rocco and he need to come to an agreement as far as what do I have available to me or Malinkovic? Uh, is he going to be locked up and renewed or is he being sold as he's being linked to all Manchester teams and everybody throughout Europe? Um, but even coming into the players that we mentioned earlier, like Dragowski and uh, or Drongovsky, I think, is is what we learned his name to be uh, <laughs> the other week. <laughs> so I need to get better at that. Um, Vlahovic and, and Castrovilli, you know, we need to know how long they're going to be around because that's going to be a big part of him making that decision. So will the wage bill shift in moving it from... Um, the Calions and, and, and Riveries into those young, promising players that are now coming into their mid-20s, late-20s. That's where the wage bill should shift, in my personal opinion. Uh, and then we should bring in a lot more of those other players that uh, are promising players, you know, uh, a Vettetut who came in, you know, probably 22, 23 years' age uh, and, and just blew it out and then continues to blow it out uh, since he left us over at Roma. So we need to go back and try to find those players, um, you know, 10, 15, 20 million euros uh, for each of those and build out a squad that gets us back to Europe. I do believe that we can do it. Do I believe that it's a fit for us to come together? Not until those uh, criteria are determined between Sari and Rocco Caniso.
1: So here's a question then that I've been thinking about very hard with this. And I'd love to hear your opinions here. Who on the current squad do you think really fits into a Sari system? I mean, for me, uh, Igor, Lucas Martinez-Quarta, uh, Nikola Milenkovic, if he stays, and defense are all great fits. Uh, Sofia Namrabat, Gaetano Castrovilli in midfield both look very, very Sari-ish to me. Uh, going further forward, I mean, Jose Callejon has obviously done well in Naples. Uh, I think in some ways Franck Ribéry is a really good fit in some ways he's not I could see a case for uh, also some guys on loan I could see Paul Lerola Ricky Sotil, Alfred Duncan maybe even Ricky Sapanara coming back and playing a part and Cristiano Baragi Jack Montaventura Eric Pulgar Christian Kwame. maybe good fit under him but maybe not so i mean that's that's a lot of the squad that you would have to consider turning over then right
0: and so this conversation honestly has given me a lot of cold sweat in in going through the list of players <laughs> that would be a good fit on the squad today for sorry um I, I think that the first statement that needs to be made is sorry needs a budget and it's a budget of new dollars to the market that would go over and above any players we sold. Uh, So if we sell Milankovic and, and Petzela for, I think I've read numbers of 40 to 50 million uh, combined, um, you know, if Sorry's negotiating 70 over that. So that's now 120 million euros that we need to spend in the in the mercado. That's what he needs to do. Um, Do I think that the players can fit his system? Yes. You know, go back to those Napoli teams. There was a lot of, depth and de- and and breath on those teams but they had stars uh can caleon play anymore that's the first question uh he hasn't shown that he can uh do i want him to be a fit because of his allegiance and previous history with sorry uh honestly no uh I, i'm still <laughs> even <laughs> i'm still even on on the uh the edge here about bringing back rivery because i think at some point the and you've talked about it you know it's the it's the culture of the club you know who are we what's our brand how are we defined right now we're defined by Prade bringing in old players and giving them a lot of money uh, spending very little in the transfer market and you know shipping out a lot of our young developing talent uh, Chiesa Sotil and, and you know so on and so forth I, I think that we need to shift that back um, and we need to find players that maybe 28, 29, 30 that can uh, come in at the top of their careers and and just put that you know cherry on the top. So I I do think you know Vlahovic, Kastrati, uh, uh, um, uh needed to be uh, the top of that. Uh, Igor and and uh, Martinez Corta have to be um, the backbone there. I mean they have shown a lot of promise, done a lot of really good things. I am going to say that I think that the midfield and I've been saying this for God knows how long that the midfield needs to be completely reinvented. Um, I love Amrabat. He's doing a lot of good things. I think we've learned Castrovilli does better when he's moved up, meaning he doesn't have to carry the ball in midfield. Let him go and be creative. Let him go and create opportunities, uh, shift the defensive round, just start running around the pitch like a, a madman and, and you know, make things out of nothing. Um, so so that moves him out of that central midfield role. We need other midfielders at that point then, and, and they don't exist on the club. It's not bringing back Duncan. It's not Polgar. Um, is it Torea? Maybe, but I think that we need to go and take a look at what that midfield market looks like. If we're going to spend money in any aspect of, of the team, you know, dropping 20, 25 million euros on a player, that midfield has to be an area where we address it uh, early and often.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think you're going to find too many people who want to fight with you about that. Honestly, that, that really does seem to be the case. Every game that we watch just drives it home that much more. Uh, well, all right. Since we seem like we're pretty much in agreement here, let's, uh, Let's move on to the next thing here. And that's, you know, if you're going to hire Maurizio Sari, you probably want to build a decent platform for him for the rest of the year. So what, you know, this team is not real good. Let's be honest. Fiorentina is in 14th, mediocre at best. What are the goals for the rest of this year to you? Uh,
0: I think we differ here because I do worry about relegation. Um, I, I do, um, you and I approach things differently. And I, I think I've told this story, you know, when, when everybody was playing Madden back in the day, from a video game standpoint, uh, I, I loved Madden, but what I would do is I would just go to the off season and draft and sign players. And then I would flash forward through the entire get, you know season and then come into the next off season. Uh, I, I think a lot of the game is won certainly by the tactics and you're a, a master tactician and, and, and that's why, you know, you and I think fit so well together, but the business and the economics behind the team is something that is just so critical. And that is concerning me uh, quite a bit. The the January transfer window where we moved out so many talented yet not polished uh, players. And then we brought in, Cochran, who uh, has played a couple minutes uh, and then somehow got injured again, and was saying he needs another 30 days. Um, Aquit, who I don't, I don't know if anybody knows necessarily who he is. Uh, you know, he, it's definitely fair to say he's underperformed everywhere he's gone. Does that mean he can't do well here? Absolutely not. He could. He can do very well. But then he's also going back, which goes against what Rocco and Baroni and, and Prade have said, we're not bringing in players on loan to just have them, you know, do well here and then go back. Here we are. So I am worried, you know, take a look at what uh, our, our competition has done at the bottom of the market. Parma, Torino, Cagliari, they've, they've all done pretty well in the transfer window. Even Benevento has done, you know, Torino with uh, Manjagora and, 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 uh, Sanabria, uh, Callery, Duncan, Nyanglin, uh, Rugani, and even bringing back, you know, former Juve Uve uh, guy uh, samoa. Um, Parma even went out and splashed cash, getting the guy that many of us wanted, which was Dennis Mann. Um, you know, who knows if he'll if he if he will turn into much in, in Serie A, but you know, we're used to those types of players here. Uh, and then you have Conti and, and uh, quite a few other players, including a 19-year-old Bayern um, protege that came in on loan and has a chance to do some pretty interesting things. So those things do worry me. You know, as we're uh, doing this, uh, Bologna finishes 2 0 on top of Lazio. Uh, yay! It's nice to see Lazio lose anytime.
2: <sighs>
0: it, it is. Uh, it's tough to to uh, you know fully understand where the points are going to come from. Um, naturally our team has the talent to do it but it hasn't connected so I I do have concerns now I'm going to throw it back over to you because I know where I'm normally the optimist here I think you're actually more optimistic on our chances of staying up Um, and I think you're going to be able to tie it back into the tactics which again is the great balance that the the two of us have Um, so let's let's hear your thoughts
1: right. well Besides all the compliments, which are nice, I appreciate that. Uh, I I guess why I'm not all that worried about it, we've got, well, this will probably come out after the Udinese game, because I don't think I'm going to be able to get this done by tomorrow morning. Uh, So by that point, there will be 14 games left. Uh, Up to this point, Prandelli has averaged 1.2 points per game since he's taken over, Uh, that If you just do the basic arithmetic, puts Fiorentina on pace for 43. No team has ever been relegated getting 43 points. So I'm not too worried there. Also, you're right that a lot of other teams lower in the table have reinforced really well. But, I mean, Cagliari is just a mess. I mean, they just sacked DiFrancesco after extending him literally a month before. Parma, they're just so far in the hole I think there's just not a lot going on there and trying to get all those new signings integrated in just half a season and really turn things around Fiorentina's got a little bit of a points cushion above them Uh, I also think some of the teams that are above Fiorentina in the standings are probably overperforming a little Uh, I'm not totally sold on Genoa keeping up their form I'm not totally sold on Benevento and Spezia continuing uh, especially those last two in their, what, first and second seasons in Serie A ever. So they don't have that experience. I think they might find that they get figured out a little bit in the back half of the season. So I'm I'm a little bit less worried about relegation, if I'm being honest. I, I don't think it's going to be fun. I think Fiorentina is going to end up around 14th, 15th. I don't think we're going to see that push for the top half of the table that we all want, but I, I just there's so many other teams that are just as bad, if not worse. So I guess to me it's not too concerning. So I, I think that right now, you know, the team is basically on track to uh, to stay up. I think what I'm more interested in though is in that development for next year is evaluating some of, especially these younger players. So we've talked about Igor and LMQ both look great, but guys like Christian Kwame and Tofu Montiel and heck uh, Christian Dalimura, you know, let's get a look at them. Let's see, let's give them all like an extended run in the team if we can and get a look at them and figure out if they can if they can do anything for next year. If the next coach can rely on them and if not, figure out uh, how much you can sell them for, say. So to me, that's, to me, that's probably the biggest thing. And being able to balance that without, you know, torpedoing your current form is obviously very tricky. To me, that's the most important thing is working some of these other players, working Christian Kouame working Toel Montiel, working, uh, Lorenzo Venuti or Kevin Malquit, even though it's a dry loan in and just seeing like what they've got, figuring out if they can be a part of the team moving forward or not. To me, that's what's really interesting and what what the focus ought to be for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, and, and as I'm looking at things right now, um, to our benefit, Parmen and Spezia drew today. Uh, so minimizing the amount of points that they can make up uh, in, in bridging the gap towards Fiorentina, which helps, you know. So right now, we're standing on 25 points. Uh, Calgary and, and, and Parma are both on 15. Um, so, so there is an opportunity to make that gap a much wider uh, with a win tomorrow. So, I, I honestly, you know. It's fair to say that I think confidence rests on the game tomorrow, which is honestly what's been happening every single week this this entire year. Confidence is is a week-to-week thing. It goes high, it goes low, it goes high, it goes low. We need a break.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think the other thing I'm really interested in, and this is something you mentioned actually earlier, uh, previewing nicely so we can segue in here is the succession plan. So we all know that Frondelli probably not going to keep that top spot. What comes next? We talked about sorry. If sorry, doesn't work out. What happens next? What are you, what, who do you think is the best option or what are the, or more realistically what's actually going to happen instead of the best option?
0: As far as uh coach.
1: Yeah, let's start with coach, and then maybe we can work into a DS after that. <laughs>
0: a, a Not DS. that you have a rooting interest here or anything. <laughs> Not that the businessman in me is wondering what the hell are we doing, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and what have we been doing? Um, you know, I, I will, I will definitely uh, agree with what you just said. First and foremost, going back to the young players. I do think that we need to to focus on the youth and, and determine who is a viable candidate. I am, uh, and we'll eventually get into the DS side of things concerned why Montiel is still here. Uh, we did loan out Delamora, um, which I think was a, a very, very intelligent thing. Now he's playing in a division, you know, that's going to um, test him a lot more than the disappointing uh, Aquilani uh primavera teams would um so you know then we need to start figuring out um who are you know who is Fiorentina going to be next year if we are going to put in some money so if and I'm going to throw out the numbers I did before so let's say for example we have 70 million euros in the market on top of whatever we sell uh, I can see Petzella leaving I can see Malinkovic leaving um depending on what Talley is doing, if they're staying up or or not, maybe Duncan's purchased. If he's, if they're not staying up, obviously he's coming back. Um, Larola, I mean, you know, his stay in in France right now is, is even more tumultuous based off of uh, the club situation in their own city uh, than what's going on in Florence. So I'd imagine he's going to come back. So now we're in the same spot that we were when, uh, we took over the club, which is so many players on the team on perennial loans, devaluing who they were as far as an asset. That's not a good thing when you're going out and trying to figure out who a manager is going to be. Um, I, I think that sorry has to be, you know, the first person. And if it's not sorry, I know you have talked about this many different times. You know, going out and finding the next creative genius on the way up, maybe in. In, in Germany or another you know um, uh, country, uh, I'll take a look at at using Leeds as an example. Uh, you know he's not on the come up, but we, you know what Leeds did was they identified the right person for the right job. They targeted him, they sold everything they needed to do to to get him in, uh, and then they started building around him. Uh, that needs the, the the system has to have a plan. I don't see the plan yet. Again, we're not part of the inner circle of it uh, but a year and a half into it there is no plan so if you need to define that pick a coach target them do whatever they can bring them in if it's sorry great i think that's a great option if not then you know start doing some homework now because you need to start reaching out to these these individuals soon or again we're going to be asking you know beppe to come back or Prandelli to stay for another year only to be firing them in September and October. So um, succession planning does concern me a lot. Uh, I, I do think that the managers out there make sense. Sorry, Spaletti, but um, it takes it takes a lot more work going into it and in vision, and we need to be able to communicate that vision. What are your thoughts?
1: uh I've actually pulled up a couple of names that I think are pretty interesting uh largely there we go hey there we go and you knew it yeah no it's funny you should mention the German school uh I've actually found a couple of guys who are maybe great candidates because of who Rocco Camiso is so the first one is Pellegrino Matarazzo he's the coach at uh Stuttgart right now since 2019 he did Uh, He is working on an extension, I've heard, to 2024, but his current deal expires in 2022. He's got Stuttgart playing really well. They're up in, like, what, 10th place, 9th place, and looking really good. Uh, He's a former Nagelsmann uh, assistant, so that's always a good thing. He's very much part of that Red Bulls 4-4-2, high-pressure, quick transitions, attacking fullbacks setup. Uh, What makes him really interesting to me is that he is from? He was born in Wayne, New Jersey, and grew up in Fairlawn, and is a graduate of mm-hmm. Columbia, where he also played, same as Rocco. So you would think maybe oh. that old boys network there, you know, start uh, putting some feelers out. Uh, the other thing I really like about Marrazzo is that he's six foot six, or almost two meters tall. So he's he would be the tallest guy on the team. Just as soon as he walked in and ducked under the door and that would be kind of fun to see (laughs) so that to me that makes him very very fun Uh, the other guy we've talked about a little bit is Jesse Marsh Uh, he's been at Red Bull Salzburg since 2019 contract runs out in 2022 also and it sounds like he might be the next guy out of that coaching tree to go Uh, he's worked under uh, Rolf Rongnick, and he's part of that same group as Marrazzo and Nagelsmann and Marco Rosa and like all those German coaches who are just so hot right now. Uh Jesse Marsh is another American. Uh he's from Wisconsin actually, but went to Princeton. So you've still got that Ivy League connection. Uh so I, I New Jersey. There would, yeah. There you go. So I, I think there's like I think those are two really interesting candidates if if the team wants to look outside the box a little bit, I'm a little more skeptical of Jesse Marsh because he did name one of his kids Maddox with two X's at the end. And to me, that's a little bit ideologically suspect, but from what I've watched of his teams, he does
0: a very good job coaching them. Elon Musk did a little, something a little bit more weird with his kids. So
1: yeah, but I really don't want him coaching Fiorentina. <laughs> 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 uh, i mean, failing either one of those two. I think you can, yeah, look at Spalletti, of course, although it sounds like Napoli and Roma are both thinking very hard about him. Uh, Vincenzo Italiano, another guy Napoli have been linked to, but he's done a heck of a job with Spezia this year, and I think the bigger budget, he could be fascinating. Uh, The other name that I've heard bandied around is uh, Gennaro Gattuso, and to that, all I can say is, no...
0: Uh, Anything to add? Um, You know, honestly, I I love the idea of Fiorentina just trying to be innovative and and going and get somebody that changes the dynamic against Serie You know, so having a new mind, brilliant mind coming in, I I think. For me, would help boost my spirits, at least from the point that they're hired until we play a game, which is (laughs) honestly is the happiest time. (laughs) which is the happiest time Fiorentina fans have these days.
1: (laughs) I'll take it. That's dead on. I really like that. Uh, And all right, Mike, you've been very patient getting through the coaches. So I think now it's time when we're talking succession plans to to discuss your greatest enemy, Daniela Prade. What are you looking for in a DS who comes after him? Because we're assuming that Prade will not have his contract renewed at the end of the year when it expires. So like what, qual- like list me three qualities, maybe that you really want from a DS.
0: All right. So first of all, we're assuming he should not be retained. There are talks that there may be a partnership uh, that retains him. And a large part of that is because of the relationship that he has with Joe Bologna. That scares me. Um, what do I want to see in the next DS? Uh, quality and characteristic number one. Um not Daniele Prade. Quality and characteristic <laughs> number two. Not Daniele Prade. Uh, quality and characteristic Wait, number three. Can I guess?
1: You yes. want him to be Daniele Prade.
0: Nope. Dang it. Not Daniele Prade. Um, <laughs> uh. Again, this I, 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 I've met. Uh, Daniele a couple of times, and he is a, a very nice uh, gentleman. V- very, very nice. I, I can't say a bad word about him uh, personally. That said, um, I just get so frustrated from every move that I've seen since he's come back, not renewing Chiesa last year, not renewing Milankovic last year, um, not renewing Petzela, not renewing Drangovsky. Uh, he did renew Castrovilli, but again, we need to probably get in there and, and get a couple more years. And, and here we are with Vlahovic who last year said he wanted to renew. And I said a couple of times this year, he would, um, we, we haven't renewed him yet. I have a lot of fears on just our internal side. Like who does he prioritize? And we've shown in, in, in the Mercados, he prioritizes AARP, uh, members of society. and. Um, that that's that's a concern because it doesn't show the, the the fans any confidence in the future and uh as a fiorentina fan i can always remember the prospects that we had coming up inside of our system or the young players that we went out and and purchased and developed them the quadrados the the uh, Alonzo's, the Veritudes, um You know, and then again, you know, take a look at the players that we've had come through our ranks and develop into great talents. But we've lost them all. Um, I'd I'd like to see us go back to that because there is a a sense of um, accomplishment from a fan standpoint, knowing that we've watched those players over the years. I don't see that because. You know, we are choosing to go into a different direction where we are going to get the riberies who nobody ever thought we'd have a riberie playing in Florence, and that's phenomenal. Uh, I I love that aspect of it, Um, but what's going to be the future opportunity for us to grow? That is definitely minimized. So, I I am very concerned with um, the Daniele Prade, uh, Joe Barone relationship. Uh, I am concerned that. that's hindering uh, our ability to take a look at the results when you look at the results of the actions that were done over the past 18 you know 20 months whatever we're at at this point they're awful they're absolutely awful I mean I can't say anything other than um, I, 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 let's put it this way if I had the results that Daniele Prade has had, the team on the field, the fact that he's turned over all the players that he has uh, purchased, um, that we've not renewed the contracts of the great talent that he was given, I would be fired from my job. I work for a Fortune 250 organization. I get I, I, business. I, I get how it's all done. If I had the results he did, I would be fired. I would have been fired six, eight, ten months ago. Um, and the hard part is that it, it, it's impacting not just Rocco and Joe Barone and Daniele Prade, it's impacting the club, which impacts the fans, which impacts um, our ability to retain fans, to grow the fan base, to, you know, when Rocco talks all this about um, revenue, and it's important that we have this stadium, and it's still very frustrating that he's not getting it because it has to be a priority. But the other priority has to be growing the fan base and building a brand our brand is garbage right now and it wasn't garbage you know when when the de La valley were you know here for the final years yeah we were a laughing stock but we were a laughing stock because we were a great club for many many years before the final two or three years that they they owned them the past two years uh underneath rocco just have not been good and he, Rocco needs to start building a brand. Thinking about it from that standpoint, and once he does, we will start seeing this team grow exponentially rather than falling backwards exponentially. Um, I, I want to see us focus better there. Now, who can we look at? Um, I, I, I don't want us to stay and study. Ah, uh, you named one of the guys that uh, I think you've named before on on our podcast, and. Um, I think would be amazing. Now, can we afford Ralph Ragnick? But I, I probably not. Um, but like if we can find somebody him or like him who's just a a genius who's out there working hard and, and works more than the past, you know, the last three days of, of two markets, the summer and, and, and the, the, the the winter markets, that would be phenomenal. Um so yes. Uh let's clarify. Love Daniele Prade as a person. One of the nicest people that I've met uh, over in Florence uh, as, as I've, you know, met a couple of the people. Um, but that doesn't allow me – it doesn't deter me from commenting on the performance of the club underneath him, which has been very, very, very poor, and we need better. Uh, so I'm going to throw out Ralph's name. That's who I would love to see. I know that there's a lot of Italians that uh, have been tossed around as well, but also, you know, this is where you shine, you know, you're probably going to come up with uh, another uh, American who, who moved to, uh, you know, Japan and, and then, you know, had, had stints elsewhere. So I'm curious to see where you're going here, bud. I uh, yeah,
1: uh, no American DS I could find dipping into MLS felt a little counterproductive here, given Rocco's relationship with the league uh and honestly i i don't i really don't think that fiorentina is going to look outside of italy for a ds there are so few non-italian sporting directors in Serie A, and they never seem to last very long if they are not italian i i think there's just like i think you have to be i think that you're viewed with a lot of distrust if you're not italian in that business so yeah wrong would be great uh there's ah jeez uh, I, I'm looking at my notes here, and it turns out that I did not write down a couple of the names that I meant to write down because I'm a dummy, uh,
0: but the- Check the comment section afterwards.
1: Yeah, right, I'm sure that uh, TGW Go Blue and uh, Ben Lualdi and a few of the other regulars will be able to shoot me straight here. Uh, whatever the fella's name is at FC Basel in Switzerland, I think has done a great job i think i'd love to take a look at some of the guys in the netherlands and belgium i think the low countries i think basically all of these smaller leagues where it's clubs that that survive by identifying and developing young talent and then selling it when these guys turn you know 22 at latest I think that's really the model Fiorentina should start with and then start trying to hang on to one or two of them for a little bit longer. And I I think that's, you got to find someone who knows how to do that. And given that Serie A has a history of prioritizing older players, I think Daniele Prade is a pretty obvious offshoot of that approach. I think league-wide that's changed a whole lot. You're seeing a lot more young players break through in the peninsula now, which is great. But it's—I think it's going to take a while for that to really catch on for everyone. Uh, that, so yeah, that—that that would be the dream. Uh, boy, that sounded extremely ill-informed. The—the uh, the two guys in Italy I'm vaguely interested in, who I think are realistic targets, are Gianluca Petracchi, who was most recently with Roma. From 2019 to 2020. Did a pretty good job there. He was with Torino for almost 10 years previously and was the guy who dug up uh, Giro Immobile and uh, Andrea Bellotti. Uh, He's also got a little bit of history in Tuscany. He played at Arezzo and was the DS at Pisa for a couple of years. So at least there's that we can maybe hope for. Uh, The other guy is Marcello Carli, who's at Parma right now. And I know that you just mentioned them having a pretty impressive January window. I mean, I think that a new ownership group put pressure on him to spend some money, and he he certainly did. Uh, He's really, really good at finding players on loan, going back to his time at uh, Cagliari from 2018 to 2020. And he's really good at grabbing players who are on the fringes of big clubs. He's also done a pretty good job of finding talent outside of Italy. Uh, Nathan Nandes, Philip Broderich, Dennis Mann, uh, Simon Somme, Ernani. in the past few years, I think are all very good players who I like quite a bit. Uh, He's also got a little bit of a Tuscan connection. So there's that too. He played at uh, Empoli from 89 to 93 and then at Livorno from 93 to 98. So almost nine years in in Tuscany so there's that so I think either one of them would younger be. guy too yeah yeah he's a, uh, I think he's what 40 I think mid 40s right young guy yeah so I mean it, that's, it would be nice
0: to see some youth in there you yeah know, just that's a, a change of mindset I, I would expect that comes with that
1: yeah I but I think no matter who it winds up being you're right in that someone who brings a real different fresh approach to things yeah would be perfect. So I do actually have the perfect name for you. And that name is Pantaleo Corvino. (laughs) Naturally, and, uh, you know, while I run from this mob with the uh, pitchforks and torches that are pounding (laughs) on the doors of the bunker here, we're going to go ahead and send this to break. But we will be back here in a sec with someone who has some very new and fresh ideas. So hang around. And coming out of the ad break, we are pleased to bring you probably the guest who we should have had on, I think, in our second episode, except that my old computer ate the entire audio, uh, the eminence gris of English language Fiorentina talk. It is Giancarlo Rinaldi. Giancarlo, how
2: are you? (laughs) I'm <laughs> not bad I hope I can live up to that introduction and I, and I hope that uh, i mean I hope you invested in a in a better computer after our last um, disaster so I hope you've got some sort of um, backup mechanism there so we don't lose this we don't lose this great chat for history i I actually did have to go out and buy a whole new computer
1: and I now have a cloud backup system as well. So I'm really, really hoping that this one doesn't vanish into the ether as well. So, uh, yeah, I would say, how are you since we last talked on this podcast? But since nobody heard that but us, uh, I'm still so embarrassed about that. Uh, How are things (laughs) in in the southwest of Scotland? How are you adapting to the quarantine life?
2: Yes, it's okay. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a bit sick of the sight in my own living room, but you know, we'll get used to it, I suppose. And uh, just just working away. And I, I think the, the the blessing of lockdown two, which is the worst sequel in any franchise history, I think the the the, the, <laughs> the only the only real blessing is that um, sports have gone on. Um, have kind of continued. So we've got a, a, a wee distraction there in the in the background. I mean it's not always it's not always a pleasant distraction, but at least it's it's something for our, our week to to revolve around and you know get excited about. So that's um helped to keep me just about sane through through the, the you know the long the long winter days. It's it's cold and wet but it's it's quite nice today in Scotland. So Hopefully, hopefully we're heading into spring and uh, getting getting a bit more freedom in due course. And what what's it been like just f- for you, especially in Scotland,
1: which has let's say a little bit more of a fan culture than the US does, say for for the football? Uh, what's it like having it without the fans? Is it is it gotten normal for you yet, or does it still just feel
2: wrong? It still feels, it still feels wrong. I mean, it's, 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 it's better than nothing, but it's not, the it's not the same. It, be it, you know, the, the live experience, obviously uh, we don't get anymore, you know, and it's, it's kind of strange because I, I live about, 10 minutes from from a football ground but I'm watching a a live stream of a a game so I can literally if a if a car goes by uh, today a, a police car went by the ground with its siren blaring and I could hear that on a stream before I heard it outside my own front door it's a it's a kind of odd experience and then watching Fiorentina watching Serie A I mean obviously that's Generally, a televisual experience for me. So you know that's not changed. But I mean, you guys will know that the the Frankie with fans is a just another world. To you know, be that in good and bad. You know, it's not always it's not always positive. It's not always. But you know, I think there were times this season when the players could have done with the the the, the reprimand of the, the of the curva fiesole, you know, I think some of the um some of the shouts about, you know, getting out your attributes or whatever would have been uh would have maybe g the team up a bit and in and, and the same way, you know, I think when when you really have that 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 curva behind you and you're playing well, you know, that that's a Uh, it's a cliche but you know it's the 12th man it's an extra it's an extra help so you know it's it's really yes you you know inevitably you do kind of get used to these things but it's still a it's a diluted experience really you know it's like i don't know it's like somebody watering down your grappa or something terrible (laughs) like that oh that yeah
1: that's
0: the unforgivable thing in this company (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) And and John Carlo, that'll get us into Fiorentina, But uh before we transition there, I just have to say as a highlight for this podcast, having you coming on as a Scotsman saying freedom, like in Braveheart, uh, you know, that that was definitely gonna be one of those things we have to repeat uh over and over again. So I appreciate that. Um you know, Fiorentina is what a lot of us have been living for uh on the weekends and, and to be honest, quite a few uh weekday games, just how poorly we've played, they've put us on on Fridays. Um, what are your thoughts on Cesare Prandelli and the job that he's done since he's come in? Uh, I know that there has been some peaks and valleys, but overall there has been enough games to be able to make a decision.
2: I mean, I, th- I, th- I think he's he's done well enough, and I think he's you know it, it, I think it's taken him a bit of time to find a setup that suits uh, the players he's got, and you know that was. That was always likely to be the case. I think it's it's very hard to be parachuted in, especially to a team that didn't really have an identifiable identity to it. Really, you know, there wasn't a great structure there. There wasn't a great system there. So, you know, to come in out of nothing and try to mould that into into a squad, into a competitive team, was going to be... Difficult, and I I mean, and I think I don't have the the stats to hand, but you know, I think in terms of points per game, it's not been it's not been brilliant. It's not been a it's not been a huge transformation from the Yakini era. But you know, my gut feeling recently is that there's been a bit of an upturn. You're starting to see a bit of his team um, coming through, and you're starting to see a bit of football, which you know under Yakini especially towards the end, I don't think we saw much at all. You know, we were, it was really, you know, I mean, there's not a lot of hair left on this head, but it, it was getting pulled out um, <laughs> by those performances. Um, so I've seen more flashes of, of what I'd like to see from Fiorentina in, in recent times. I don't think it's going to be, I mean, I think the, uh, it's, a, it's a marriage destined only to last till the end of the season, I think, you know, we had all the, the rumours of did we did we have dinner with Sarri or not? Who, who knows? But, you know, I think I think the feelers will definitely be out for, you know, if, if Fiorentina could secure a, a big name or someone with a clear vision of where the, the team should be going in the future, then I think they would be, you know, they would jump at that because Prandelli is quite, Quite long in the tooth now, and you know his days as a as an innovator, still a great manager, I think. But you know his days as an innovator are probably behind him, and so you know there might be someone who would be more in tune with with what I think what we all hope Fiorentina could be uh, might be might be waiting in the wings. But I've still got a lot of love for Cesare Prandelli from from Prandelli one and you know Prandelli two certainly it's not as bad as lockdown two as as sequels go. I think it's <laughs> it's, had, it's had a few it's had a few better moments for us, I think.
0: Absolutely. And 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 overall I think a lot of people would be uh, in line with what you just said around Cesare Prandelli. However, there's one area where Cesare has had an instant and immediate impact, Dusan Vahovic. Uh, guy who's been become lovingly known, uh, named as my adult son uh, on on the site here. Uh, what are your thoughts on the maturation and development of Dusan Vlahovic underneath Prandelli, and where do you even think he can go from here?
2: But probably away from Fiorentina is the answer, which is usually where most of our but let's God. let's 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 hope that you know let's hope that that's not the that's not the case and that we can you know keep hold of this talent for for some time to to come i, I think um i mean somebody said it's not an original thought particularly but if you remember back to the game with inter and uh, Vlaovic had a great chance to kind of put the lid on that one and clinch the game he fluffed it and i think in you know in normal that could have destroyed a young player like that but I think with a guy like Prandelli in charge the the message I seem to be getting is that he just said look don't let it get to you get your head down get working we have faith in you you know I'm going to keep picking you whatever and having that confidence behind him has just seen him come on in leaps and bounds as well you know and I think that you know there is some stat about young goal scorers across Europe's top leagues, and I think he's one of the you know, along with with Haaland, and there's a, a couple of others that you know he, he's right up there. So, you know that that's been that's been one of the highlights of the season really to see that. But I think it's having the the faith of your you know the the unquestioning faith of your your coach really, and is good at that. I mean, he's... You know, I think if, you know, if you were looking for a, a father figure to kind of a, a wise head to kind of put an arm around you and, and encourage you, I think that's that's the feeling you get from, from Cesare Prandelli. And so that, you know, players need different things. Some players need a bit more stick. Some need more carrot. You know, that's that's the way of it. But whatever the, whatever the combination is, it seems like Prandelli's just got it, just perfectly right for Vlaovic because he is thriving and although you know I jokingly said move move away I-, I would like to think that you know as I do with all these players that he'd have two or three seasons of of kind of maturing in Florence and putting Fiorentina back up into you know a, at the very least the Europa League team where you know we all feel they deserve to be and that is going to take more than
1: Mike's large adult son Dushan unfortunately uh i, I think what i have really been interested in this year is watching Prandelli try to figure out his best 11 and his best formation and how that's differed from Yakini what i mean it seems like he settled on the 352 now with Ribery up top and maybe Martin Cáceres as a right wing back which i still haven't quite Put together, what a, what do you think? Where is he on that? Do you think he's more or less figured it out, or is he just being CL and making everyone do their best because they love him?
2: <laughs> no, I, I think that's. I think this is about the best the best they can get out of this out of this squad. It's 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 frustrating, I think, in a way because you know we have sort of some. Some square pegs still in round holes or you know even more so some square pegs sitting in the stand that I'm thinking of Jose Callejon in particular, who was you know a big yeah. a big acquisition potentially on paper and yet in this formation, you know where do we where do we slot them in? There doesn't seem to be a place for him. and that that's a source of frustration. but you know if results are coming, it's certainly given a, a bit more solidity to the side as you as you flag up the the right wing back position seems you know I, I, again there's another man where we brought in Malqui and yet he doesn't seem to fancy him for what so we get Venuti which you know I'm, I'm all for boys that have come through the ranks getting into the team I, I like to see that but you know is it is it getting the best out of what the resources are but I do think that. It's kind of making the best of a bad lot, really, and I do think you know we're at least a bit more of an attacking threat with this, the two up front. Which, I mean, you remember this season there were games sometimes we were watching. You thought I-, I could stay here till maybe next Tuesday or Wednesday, and Fiorentina would not create a chance or a or a shot on goal, you know, and 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 then. You'd go home and and weep uh, at the sight of Enrico Chiesa. I'm afraid Enrico Chiesa rather. Um, I'm going back in time there, you know. But you, you would see Chiesa scoring for Juventus, and you'd think, well, you know, we gave away. He was worth about twenty shots a game, and and now we're down to, you know, we're down to one shot a game. Maybe <laughs> not even. Maybe not even that if we're lucky. So, uh, uh, long story short, I think the three-five-two gives a solidity at the back. And it also gives a bit more attacking intent. We're, we're definitely better with two, even even Kuame um, playing alongside Vla, which seems to give the opposition a bit more to think about. It gives us a bit more presence up front, and uh, I, I mean, I, and I do think we're starting to see better out of Amrabat and better out of Castrovilli as well under this formation and that really if you're looking at our team and you're saying where's the talent where's the creativity there's two men that you know in very different ways um, can give you know can give a midfield imagination and I think we've seen I don't think it's a coincidence that we've started to see Castro Vildi getting back closer to the levels he showed us last season and that's made a difference so you know if, if that's what this formation gives then long may it continue. And you're actually kind of making this very
1: easy for me, just leading into all these segues. I swear we didn't rehearse this. Uh, If you had to pick uh, one pleasant surprise or biggest pleasant surprise and one disappointment and just one from this season, I know there are plenty more to choose from that we could add. But yeah, just a single. Uh, Which which would you pick so far?
2: Well, it's it's quite it's quite difficult because you know that it's not been a great season, um, and so you know the, the picking a disappointment's probably easier than picking a, a surprise. But no, nonetheless, I actually, um, in terms of surprise um, for me, um, I'd say that uh, Martinez Cuarta has been one of the most pleasant surprises of the of the season. Um, I didn't know a lot about him. We hadn't seen much of him, and yet he's come into the team and his, his performances seem to be going very much in the right direction. The, there was a, a tendency, I think, of, for him to get drawn to the ball and maybe not do his defensive duties. And I do think he's still got quite a lot of attacking intent, which can be a bit scary for a for a defender. But in in terms of um, of players that have... Pleasantly surprised me. Then he's he's right up there, you know. And I think that, um, especially with the you know the, the defense, we're kind of maybe in a transition period. We're thinking Milenkovic might go somewhere in the summer. Is it the end of the Petzela era? We needed a new kind of figure to emerge there. And I think you know he, he looks he looks a really really good footballer to me. That's the bottom line. When he gets the ball at his feet. When he, he's making some tackles now that are out of this world, so he's been a very um, positive surprise. Uh, in terms of disappointment, I, I, I hate picking on people because I think it's you know they're, they're all. I don't really buy the the footballer that doesn't try the football, but nonetheless, I think Christian Kuame has been a disappointment to me. I expected a lot from him, and I think I think you can hear. A, a, a Prandelli's a patient man. I think he's a, as, a, as, a, as a sort of portrayed him as this loving father. But I think if Kuami was his son, I mean, you know, Chazare's hair's already going grey, but I think it would be, you know, it would be completely white because he just drives him <laughs> daft. I think every game you hear him, "Gree, cree, is shouting, and he, he, he desperately wants him to do the right thing, and I and I think he's desperately trying to do the right thing, but it's just infuriating, and 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 I think. It, that's what's disappointed me is that, you know, there's there's clearly potential there and we get we get little glimpses of it, you know, we see little flashes of it, but then it all disappears in, you know, some kind of bumbling run where he ends up falling over his own legs and giving away possession. And, you know, as I say, I just I had high hopes that he was going to be the answer to our attacking problems, and it hasn't turned out that way. And and I mean, no doubt he will move. Somewhere else maybe and, and be worth you know 20 goals a season, and that's sometimes the way these things go. but of, of the players that are still there because you know I think there have been other disappointments who have now moved on um, but of of what's, of what's still there, I think he's been unfortunately one of the biggest disappointments to me of the, of the season so far that's...
0: speaking of disappointments, let's transition into Daniele Prade. <laughs> see this, how I is, did that? this
2: is Mike's uh, nemesis.
0: <laughs> uh you know and and actually you, you you sparked my interest here because you talked about Dušan Vlahović potentially going away and and how you and and everybody at this point would love to see at least another two or three years with Vlahović running the tip up top. Um but that's not on Prindeli. Uh, that that's a, a Prade issue and and Prade Botched the Kiesa resigning. He botched the Milinkovic resigning. Um, in your opinion, is he botching the Vlahovic, Castrovili, and and re resignings right now?
2: It, it it's we're on the outside looking in, and uh, you know you'll you'll never know all the machinations. And I don't envy anyone trying to work with football agents in particular. You know because they they speak with Fort tongue, you know. It's it's you're always going to be. It's always going to be a struggle. But having said all of that, you know, there's a body of evidence I think building up that, that just that we're not going anywhere transfers wise, or as you see, kind of contract extension wise with with him in position. It doesn't seem. It, it just seems again that we're we're sort of bungling along and everybody takes advantage of Fiorentina. It's like the kid in the playground that gets bullied by everyone. And we're not we're not even just getting bullied by the big boys. We're getting bullied by the little boys as well. Everybody comes along and kind of takes advantage of of Fiorentina. And, you know, we, we need somebody that's a bit more, a bit tougher. And, I mean, you know, maybe this goes further than Prade. Maybe it goes right to Comiso. And you say, well, he's not getting the backup. He's not getting the financial clout to to deliver these things but yet we see teams that are historically smaller than Fiorentina seem to seem to play much harder ball than than we do in the in the transfer market and in our in our contract negotiations so you know I I think it's it's easy to pick on one person and and you know Blame them, and I, I don't really think you know if, if a club's going well or badly, it's not usually a one person thing, there's usually a bit more to it than that. But having said all of that, I do think that you know a, a sporting director is a key position, and if you're constantly losing out on you know the, the number it's embarrassing when Fiorentina are linked with players now because you know it's like a sort of it's like a courtship you know it's like going out with a girl and you know somebody else is going to come along and steal her off you eventually you know it <laughs> just you're, you're resigned, to your, <laughs> resigned to your fate sort of thing if it's you know if she's in any way good looking, you know she'll be she'll be gone. So you know that that I think, as I say, uh, it doesn't all come from the sporting director, but you know a lot of the 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 can has to be carried by by him. I think, and you know we haven't really seen. It's been a while that we've been in this position with Fiorentina. Really, you know we we've unearthed some um, good players, but not many. And you know these these signings like. Cucurin that, 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 that came in, you know. I mean, it, uh, I'll reserve judgment. He might turn out to be amazing, but it did smack of, you know, it it smacked of uh, the return of Tanky Silva. For those that remember him, that you know, it's another as another winter acquisition that will play ten games, score two goals maybe, and be gone in the in the summer sort of thing. And you know, and those kind of deals just make you a laughing stock, I think, you know, we're we're not, we're not punching our weight on the, on the transfer market or in, or in negotiations with players, really, I think so, you know, that, if uh, if that makes you feel good, Mike, about, you know, despising the man, then, then I think, I think, you know, I think there's, there's certainly, there's evidence there that, um, it, it it's not, you know, it's not good enough for, for Fiorentina to constantly be sort of the whipping boys of the of the transfer market.
0: Yeah, and I'll throw out another name there, uh, Cyril Terryow. Uh Cochrane just seems like another Cyril type move, uh, bringing in that bad boy who has some question marks. And a lot of those question marks are actually on the fields because he hasn't scored much on the pitch. Uh, over the past few years, uh, and is constantly injured. So, there's an instant uh, analogy there. Uh, couple quick questions for you, and then we'll get off of the product uh, topic. You you mentioned a couple of the moves, but you know, taking into consideration January and, and July, not much has been done, not much has been impacted. Um, what are your thoughts? Followed up with, does he stay? Followed up with, will we be able to put your resume? under uh, Prades to see if we can slide you in, in place of him coming in July?
2: Well, you know, I mean, it, it, it clearly is not clearly the, 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 you know, the report card is, uh, is a fail. If we for whatever, whatever transfer window you want to, to look at really, or, or add them all up, I think we're, you know, is only getting maybe a D plus if you if you if you look at what's come in and it's it's often been players that we don't need. It's been positions where we don't need players. You know that those sort of things. There's a confusion there in the transfer policy that you don't see in you know the 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 little clubs who can if if you want the the Verona, the Sassuolo, the whatever clubs who. As I say, I mean, it, it, I might be, maybe I'm deluding myself of where Fiorentina stand in Italian football, and you know, maybe they've they've come up and overtaken as Atalanta as well. But you know, there are teams there who just have a vision and are signing players or are bringing through players to to achieve that vision. Our our as I said, it seems to be kind of uh, rummaging around in the bargain bucket and seeing what you seeing what you come out with and it's you know that never produces a very nice outfit when you do that you know you always end up with a with a hat that someone died in and the the multi jumper that nobody wants to wear so you know that that's the that's the kind of kit that that Fiorentina are wearing just now. So, um, as I say, to me, uh, it's, it's fail it's fail marks, and it's you know it's pretty consistent fail marks in the transfer market. And you know that I think I think Fiorentina fans, you know, have felt that for for a while that you know they're not really. It's not even. I mean, I think not everyone, but myself personally, realistic that you know the targets that we can go for are not. You know, you're not going to suddenly see. Lionel Messi coming into to Florence unless he's got some you know family link we can we can exploit but you know otherwise that's not going to happen we're not going to be going to the very top levels of of football acquisitions but what is frustrating is that that at that kind of middle level where there are good players going around there are players either who are you know on the Downward slide of their career, but still have something to offer, or there are players that haven't been spotted yet who who you know could really break through in Florence, and a, you know it's a great club to I think to get a shop window to come through to to you know, and as long as we've got a conveyor belt of those coming through, I don't think anyone would complain, but we haven't really you know we haven't done that with any regularity at all, and I mean you know Ribery was a nice. Signing nice marquee figure, good when he's great when he's fit, um, you know. But they're are too few and far between, and and the real kind of the diamonds that you judge a, a a sporting director by, you judge your transfer policy by. We haven't unearthed many of those really in in recent times, you know. And I think that you know. So so you know, the, if I you know if they need a scouting network in in Southern Scotland, then. You know, put my put my <laughs> my baseball cap in the in the ring, and let, I mean, you you guys are good pals with Rocco. You can you can have a look <laughs> and, and and let them know that you know there's a there's a guy in, there's a guy in Scotland that will. Help turn around Fiorentina's fortunes, and uh, you know, so so put, by all means, you know, give him give him my CV, and uh, you know, I, I produced a I produced an excellent fanzine for a number of years, and uh, have written about have written about Italian football for many more. So you know, if you want to, you know, just drop that drop that CV. I, I noticed that you know. A, 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 I think they announced record profits um, recently. MediaCom, so uh, I'm sure there, yep. there probably is a you know there probably is a little area that they they need a a Scottish Italian to um, occupy and on a on a you know on a very modest salary to to help turn around their fortunes. So you know if you can if you can make that happen, then you know I'd be very much appreciated.
1: Uh, Mike's got that so red hearing... phone straight to Rocco's office, so I'm leaving that
0: with him. <laughs> what, what I'm hearing is we can negotiate that contract right now. John Carlos heading back. Breaking news to Florence. Yep. yep. Future DS. I like it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, uh, yeah, you know, I I don't think it could get too much worse. So at least there's that. Uh, I I do wonder too since we've seen the the ds bounce back and forth between two men over the past what 15 years now right do you think that uh fiorentino was doing better under corvino or do you think that Prade's over the past couple of years has done a better job
2: than than old Pantaleo? it'd be hard to see, you know i mean because you know whatever you think of corvino he did he did unearth the odd the odd nugget of gold, you know. I mean, he did he did. I mean, he was his own greatest self promoter in in a lot of ways. He was his own his own greatest publicist. But nonetheless, you know, the the evidence did suggest that you know he did he did have an eye for a player and a and a, a deal. Um, but look, I think all these things are are kind of it needs to be a team. It needs to all work together and you know and, and I do buy that, that Fiorentina are a bit I've said this before they're, they're kind of caught in a, a halfway house or' they're not they're not the biggest club in Italy, they're not the smallest club in Italy. And so they, they, they struggle to to know where they should fit even in the transfer market. you know they don't um, necessarily see themselves as a provincial team that should be you know building up that way. And so, but they're never going to get the, and they're never going to get the biggest acquisitions, and and you know, and then plus, which I think Comiso has said himself, you're a bit hampered by financial fair play as well, because you know you're you're not allowed to spend, uh, you know, more than you make or whatever, you know, simplify it a bit, but you know you you are limited by your your revenue streams in terms of investment so even if he wanted to which I don't think he does but you know if he did want to say well you know we made record profits here Fiorentina you know you go crazy uh, and spend them they couldn't do it anyway you know it just wouldn't be allowed they would be, they would be penalized for that and so it, it's it's difficult then you have to do these things in a more organic way and you have to do it more slowly over time so you you invest in the ground and we've seen how difficult that is under Italian bureaucracy you you invest in your training centre which hopefully that that will pay that will pay fruit over time going back to your original question I think it's it's um I, I think it is a bit that you know that Corvino probably certainly stands comparison with Brady and and probably has a few a, a few gold stars in a, in his favor over over him really over time. Yeah, that's that's kind of my sense.
1: I, I, one of the things I love about uh, Fiorentina transfer rumors right now are that they're linked with players who say Arsenal, Liverpool right now with Rodrigo de Paul or Udinese are linked to. And then also they're chasing players linked to Benevento, and that we gotta narrow that focus maybe just to, just a shade. Uh, I think
2: there's a there's just such a drop off. I think that is a true point because it, then it's then it's very disappointing for for fans with when, when you see a link with you know a big name and then the next day. The reality is that you're, you know, you're signing somebody from, from Serie B um, or whatever, you know, and you're supposed to get excited about it. it, it is, that is difficult. I think we need, um, as I say, if you felt there was a vision, if you felt that these players were coming in and they were part of a bigger plan, but you don't, you don't really get that feeling a lot of the time. And so that's um that's quite frustrating and that's that's really i mean that's something where there's a lot of people have to have a say into that and they have to have a vision of where they see the club in four or five years time and, and you know they have to be working towards that and then further down the line as well you know it has to really be a a very a, a long-term plan of how do we get from where we are now to where we think we deserve to be because nobody nobody hands these things out on reputation alone, you know, just because just because Fiorentina won the Scudetto in 1969 or whatever doesn't mean that they're going, you know, they've got any divine right to get anything now. So, you know, and you see all teams playing Fiorentina coming, you know, they're no respecters of of what, what you did 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 20 years ago or whatever. So uh, they need to um, get all the elements there heading in a, a clear direction and I don't I still don't get the feeling that we really do know where we fit in and how we how we kind of move move forward and get back to where you know we feel the, the the club should be
0: well considering we only call the same players over and over again in every single transfer window I mean yeah you know, let's get a little bit more depth and breadth of people we can talk to Rolando
1: Bianchi this year for sure uh <laughs> <laughs> all right well so we don't end this on just a huge down note i would like to uh take you back in time in a way that we were just talking about doesn't matter anymore a little bit uh in celebration of a man whose birthday is actually today on the day we're recording saturday the 27th uh and tell me if this rings any bells for you propita maggio attenzione maggio il suo cross fantini retta that uh, does that take you back anywhere, or uh? It's
2: giving it's me goosebumps.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, I could and and I, I think it's really great that you that meant so much to you that you've been wearing Fontini's haircut ever since.
2: It, it is it is well, you know we it, in fairness we had there was a spell where we had the uh, comproprietar, we had shared ownership of the haircut, uh, but then I bought it outright in uh in the January transfer window. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so the, now
1: the blind uh writing it down on the on the it, yeah, yeah it
2: would <laughs> go to uh, boost the qs i went to the closed closed beds <laughs> and uh, i was able to put in i put in a couple of slices of haggis in there to kind of seal the to seal the deal and and uh, it was it was winging its way to scotland <laughs> um so i feel feel very Fortunate to have a, a memento of uh, Fiorentina's promotion season with me, <laughs> with me at all times. <laughs> it, it, in seriousness, though, it, it was a it was a great moment. I mean, it was you know in a way it was tinged with with a well, it was a sadness that Fiorentina had to fall so low to to come back so high. But still, you know, the the great um, we all love a. I think we all love a sporting redemption story. And that was, you know, that was pretty much the ultimate one of that of that period. Fiorentina, we well, could go over old ground, you know, some some people still feel they were made an example of, they were treated a bit harsher than, you know, there were certainly there were other teams who appeared to do similar things who weren't, you know, punished quite so harshly. But for whatever, you know, let's not dwell on on old, uh, old feud. Although that is the lifeblood of Italian football, but but let's 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 say that you know, right or wrong, they went down to you know the fourth tier of football and worked their way back up, and and that was you know, Fantini was a symbol of, of, of that sort of crowning moment when we'd gone through um, Inferno and Purgatorio. But finally, uh, Paradiso had had, had returned, and, and it returned in you know in the shape of a baldy striker. It was you know the, quite um, a, a strange figure to to bring us back to heaven. But 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 there you go. And you know it, it was um, it was an amazing moment. i um, the memory plays tricks, and you know I'd, I'm sure I'd, I'm sure the game was televised, and I I, I certainly remember. Um, the, when the result came through actually having tears in my eyes because it was such a, an emotional roller coaster that um, had finally been completed and, and you know the, the way that it was done as well. Um, uh, for Fiorentina that have gone down, you'll remember there was the summer where they won promotion, but they did the double promotion. Um, for And again, you know, some people say that shouldn't have happened and, and fair enough. But, you know, they effectively took a side that was being prepared for Serie C 1 and had to go into Serie B. And it was a bit of a disaster, really, at, at the start. But eventually they pieced something together, um, you know, and under, you know, in great... Difficulties managed to put together a side that just clawed its way into the playoffs and then through this two-legged playoff with a with a quite an unlikely superhero really not that many without their hair um managed to managed <laughs> to get themselves back into Serie a. so I mean I, yeah I, I can remember um in fact your your rendition of the commentary almost had me tearing up already, that I was, you know, I was taken back to that to that moment. Because you feel I think you feel all the emotions again in that moment. You feel all the emotions that you felt through those summers. You know, I can remember being in Italy and picking up the Gazetta and it was supermarket Fiorentina. We were selling every everything must go, basically. The Wicosta must go. We must sell everything, you know, just to try and stay afloat and then it didn't work out, and we went down. And then, you know, thinking that maybe Fiorentina might not exist anymore, and that, you know, for for any football fan, that's a that's a horrible thing to to think of. And so, to go through all of that and then come back to to Serie A was still a, it was still a big moment. And you know, for whatever, Fantini was a was a key part of that.
1: Well, I'll go ahead and let you know that entire match is available on YouTube. I actually went and watched it a couple of days ago just to uh, to get myself ready for this. And it is it is a hell of a match. It's tense. I mean, that second-minute second goal, and then they're up 2-0 with an away goal. And you can tell the whole stadium is going, please don't Fiorentina this up. Please don't Fiorentina this up, and it's it's magnificent. It's I, shoot. We should let you go so you can
2: just watch that right now. Actually, I, I think I will. I mean, I, 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 that you, you've exactly summed it up. There was a there was a, a an anxiety there, a, a fear because you've been through such bad times. You think, well, you know what? Yeah, probably um, things are going to go wrong because that's what. That's what happens, but this time around, this time around, he didn't, and it was, you know, it was pretty much a, a journeyman guy that 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 got us there as well. He wasn't really, you know, his career. I mean, I, my cousins a big um, Venezia fans, so you know, he, he did do some decent stuff at, at Venezia, and you know, and started out, I think, with Juve. So Fantini wasn't it wasn't a dud, and it, and it was a time when, you know even average players would go for quite big transfer fees and he did, you know, he did get some biggish money deals, but he didn't do a lot at Fiorentina really looking back. He didn't, he didn't score a lot of goals, but he scored a bloody vital goal, you know, so he'll, he'll always be, he'll always be um, held fondly in the hearts of, uh, certainly Fiorentina fans of a certain vintage will, will always, will always remember. And, and you know, um, I'll certainly, I'll certainly raise a glass to him. Uh, after after we finished here, I'll certainly have a have a little glass in his honour because um, you know without that, without that goal, we we might not have got we might not have got promoted and you know we could have still been struggling along, limping along in in, in Serie B for years to come. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, we actually just got a note here from our producers, and they said before we head out today, if you could give us one more brave heart freedom, we would actually be able to double our
2: listener base <laughs> i, I want to I want to give you that, so I mean, you know i, I mean I, we're waiting for uh, under lockdown we are waiting for freedom quite literally so you know i hope uh, i wish i wish i wish freedom for all for all listeners in a in, in in pure in a pure scottish accent and you know i i i wish it i wish it for us all because it's been a long it's been a long hard slog for for everyone for through through this you know and so it's i it's, it's nice football is a is a lovely little distraction in in times that are are really 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 tough um, for a lot of people so it's uh, it would be nice for us to it would be nice for us to get a bit of freedom in in the not too distant future as always cheers the gentleman
1: cheers to that yeah well i think that's probably about when we should wrap it up or uh recording too much audio i've learned will crash this thing so uh <laughs> yeah, I think we'll probably call it a day here, John Cardwell, Thank you so much for coming back on, despite it's a,
2: it's the a pleasure the
1: first time around. It's yeah, I, it's it's so awesome to talk with you every time.
2: It's great, guys. I, I, you know, I've I loved Fiorentina for a, a long time, and it's 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 always a pleasure to to talk to people that share the passion. Share the share the torture a lot of the time, <laughs> and, uh, and you know the occasional the occasional pleasure. Then it's it's always it's always nice to it's always nice to have a chat.
1: The Ola Station is hosted by Mike and Tito. Tito also produced this episode. Our guest was the inimitable Giancarlo Rinaldi. You can find them on Twitter at Ginkers or search them on your favorite bookseller's website. Our theme song is Great Catch by Windchime Weather. Check them out at windchimeweather.bandcamp.com. Viola Station is the podcast from ViolaNation.com. Viola Nation is part of the SB Nation Network. Porta Viola.